What's up, everyone? JT Silvers here with the People's Pulling Guard, Brandon Merrick. Welcome to another episode of Yo Grip and Rip. Brandon, how's your week been? Oh, man. I, I'm sure it's been about as rough as everybody else's, especially, you know, people around the world who are without power and are struggling quite a bit. I can't say I've been in that situation, but, um, you know, it's been rough, busy week, a lot of work with some people out, um, kind of tough to get to training. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, absolutely. Some of the training that I've done this week has included digging out the damn driveway, all the snow we've gotten. So, <laughs> No, I feel you on that one. I, I think I was shoveling snow at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock one night because I had to go pick up my boss for work the next morning. So, Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's... So, I, I mean, it's been fun. Had some couple days of tough training. Um, you know, with limited amount of time to be in there, I just figured you might as well work my butt off, right? So did yeah. did all the normal stuff, squat, clean, snatch, a lot of pulls. Um, JT, I'm really, really enjoying the pulls, like I told you a couple episodes ago. Um, just really working on building my back and keeping good positions while doing it, so... How about you, man? How have you been? Oh, training's gone pretty well for me this week. You know, obviously, time has been limited with, uh, you know, with the weather. But um, weight's moving pretty well. Uh, still trying to experiment a little bit with this program that I'm trying to develop as I go through it. Um, a couple of heavy lifting days, a couple of speed lifting, well, dynamic effort days with the competitive lifts and then a speed day where I also do the competitive lifts so that I can stay consistent with all of that. Um, but yeah, weight, weight felt pretty good on Saturday when I go, go for my heavy reps, um, put up 165 again on the snatch, though it wasn't pretty and it was frustrating to get there, but it, it got there. Um, and you know, Sometimes you have weeks like that. This is the the third week of this program cycle where it's 85% of my one rep max on the snatch and the clean and jerk for all my training stuff that I'm doing. So it's understandable that I'm a little beat up. So when it recycles back to 75% next week, um, shouldn't be so bad. Weight should continue to move fast. So I do like the structure. You, uh, I don't know. I, I heard something not too long ago that said uh, the only way you get stronger is by doing hard work on a fatigued body. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but uh, there's definitely some validity to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the Bulgarians, man. That they were 100% fatigued. So. Yeah. Very true. Um, I know this is kind of off topic now, JT, but what would you think of the opening? for this podcast today well uh, it was a pretty epic moment I, I had to go and look up the video to watch it again uh but yeah one heck of a pull yeah man uh a l- little bit of backstory about it uh matthias steiner was a german weightlifter he's going up against uh a man named chikashev from the russian um weightlifting organization he Chikashev was without a doubt supposed to win the Olympics that year. Supposed to be a no contest. And um, 
a couple months or weeks before the Olympics, Matthias Scheiner's wife had died and he promised to win the Olympics for her. Um, had a pretty crazy snatch session, dropped two bars on his head, comes out in the clean and jerk and has to go up 11 kilos over his current PR, hits a 258 right. kilo clean and jerk and barely beats Chikashev and uh, it's kind of funny. Chikashev looks at Cloak off and goes, well, what can you do? He's, it's the best lift he's ever done in his life. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, man, it's it's pretty iconic. Probably one of the best-known weightlifting stories of all time. Um, so, yeah, I, I fi- figured it was pretty fitting for this little, uh, this little topic we're going to talk about because, uh, you know, that pool for – Matthias Steiner could not have been easy 11 kilos over his max right yeah no doubt about it um well like you said Brandon we're just kind of extending last week's topic into a little mini series here uh we're in stage two talking about the pulls uh anybody who's out there in the weightlifting world will know that the squat, the pull, and the press are the fundamental movements, um, and that really applies to anybody out there who's resistance training, not just weightlifting, but I think that's what we drill more than anything uh, as weightlifters. Um, so we'll break it down kind of like we did last week, uh, looking at pulling movements that are ap- applicable to sport, and then also weightlifting, and then some recommendations for rec- recreational athletes out there. Yeah, JT, and just to reiterate uh, about the mini series, I think we're going squat, pull, press. I right. don't know if we said that or not, but we'll go. That's the order we'll go in, mm-hmm. and I'm sure next week's episode will be in the same format as this one and the one before it. So. Correct. Yes. Well, let's dive right into sports, Brandon. What do you think? Um, kind of a hotly debated topic: Do athletes need to deadlift? Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into weightlifting, but I think the deadlift is an important thing to do. Um, maybe not necessarily trying to max out all the time. Um, you know, I kind of think that risk to reward ratio on the deadlift is just, um, more towards injury prone Mm -hmm. than it is to building strength. I think if you're going to do, um, the like the deadlift as uh, an exercise, do it for some reps, right? Uh, with sub maximal weight, trying to build back strength, maybe a little back fatigue. Um, you know, um, building muscle there is is much more important than trying to be an all out max strength person. Yeah, I right? I completely agree, and I mean, in a high school weight room. I think we've said this before. This is going to be a sentiment that we come back to. You're not trying to build power lifters, trying to build athletes. Um, And like Brian, you said, we don't need to one rep max a deadlift to become good athletes. Uh, And the risk reward is really just not there in my mind to have a kid try to set a deadlift PR uh, as a 16 year old kid. Um, You know, the, the last thing you want to do is, throw another 15 pounds on the bar to say, Oh, this is the heaviest deadlift I've ever pulled. And then you hurt your back and you're out of your sport for four weeks, six weeks. Um, it's just 
I don't want to say it's irresponsible, but there are definitely better ways to build that strength uh, in, in young yeah, athletes. The back is something that definitely just needs to be protected. Um, and I mean, ideally, because it's your freaking spine. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's the deadlift isn't bad. We're not here to say it's bad. Uh, maybe it's not our favorite thing to do in the world. But it's definitely something that will help you in the weight room and on the field and everything. But as we said multiple times already, there's just no reason to try to max it out. Yeah, and and to to go off of that, I really like the concept of just more variety in the deadlift. So like Romanian deadlift or or uh, just a strict leg, you know, straight leg deadlift, uh, or even doing some single leg variations to build the hamstring strength and core strength as well i think that's important for athletes and coaches to implement more so probably than just like a trap bar or barbell deadlift right and and you can find a lot of imbalances when you do the variations on deadlifts and um you know you can find out which hamstrings need to be worked on um does your lower back need more strength your your spinal erectors um things like that yeah, and I think that that really ought to be the priority because nine times out of ten, an injury for an athlete will probably stem from some kind of imbalance or some kind of deficit in the posterior chain. I agree. Yeah, and that's obviously like not not injuries that you can't prevent, like somebody getting rolled up on, but you know the non-contacts, that kind of stuff, we want to prevent. Um, and then moving on to kind of just the different variations of pulls for the upper body, we have the horizontal pulls and the vertical pulls. So like rowing for your horizontal pull and and any variation of a pull up slash pull down for your vertical pull, those are absolutely necessary. And I think the reason that they have to be included is because everybody likes Everybody likes those pressing movements, um, but you have to balance them out. Uh, I don't think people glamorize the uh, the pull-up or the lat pull-down nearly as much as they might the overhead press and the bench press. Yeah, dude. Some of the, uh, you know, um, I don't know, it, some of the more bodybuilding-esque type movements like the pull-up, the, the lat pull-down, um, the rows are just – so much more beneficial than I won't say so much more beneficial, but you know, some things that can help just build overall strength around your bag mm-hmm. or your, whatever you're using is, is I, I really don't know what I'm trying to say, but ideally, you know, these, these exercises will help build your back more than, you know, a core lift. Yeah. Well, and uh, you could even classify them as a type of core lift because they're multi-jointed. Uh, the only difference being that you, you have to do your lat pull down seated uh, unless you got a really cool way to do them standing up or if you're able to do pull-ups, I suppose. Uh, well, there's some of us, JT, that can't always do pull-ups. <laughs> hey, man, I don't like I don't like doing pull-ups. I like, I like the lat pull down much more than pull-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, and then the last one I wanted to talk about for athletes, and this is probably the most important one, is doing some variation of hamstring 
curls or pulls. So like your classic Nordic curl or even just like grab a partner and have them hold your ankles while you pull your heels to your butt. That, that's a really, really good, important piece of being an athlete. And it's something that I feel like gets overlooked a lot of the time uh, is strengthening the hamstrings exclusively because it's hard to do without machines or without uh, any kind of those, those uh, implements like the Nordic curl. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that because um, it's definitely not something that people ideally – or just think of off the top of their head that could be a pool. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I think if you hadn't said something about it, I would not have thought to mention it at all. Um, so it's good, good that you did mention it, JT, because um, like you said, it is really overlooked yeah. in the weight room. Um, but it is a key movement, you know, that helps build strength overall. Um because a lot of times the hamstring is one of those limiting factors in your program. right, yeah. Right? Well, and, and then kind of the, the the bow on top of this pile of pulls is that they all work to develop the agonist and antagonist relationship of your joint extension and flexion. Um, so if you're if you're really overly strong in a press versus a pull, that can lead to a substantial imbalance that can be detrimental to your joint, the weaker muscle involved in that movement, or, or even the connective tissue surrounding both the flexing and extensing muscle, uh, which I know all of those, all of those things don't sound super great and they're not, we want to be balanced. We want to be able to push as much as we pull and vice versa, if not pull more than what we push. Well, I would- really kind of hope we can pull more than what we can push yeah with. biomechanics says you should be able to but you know maybe maybe you can't yeah, lat pull down what you bench press and that's understandable right or uh if you're a freak athlete and you can jerk 200 kilos but you can't pull 200 kilos off the board <laughs> um you know i I've seen videos of that, but it's whatever. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it is something that's, uh, that's out there. And I, I listened to an interview. Oh, I can't remember the athlete's name, but she was talking about how um, she couldn't, she couldn't clean a hundred kilos or over a hundred kilos, but she could jerk it easily. Um which I thought was just mind-boggling. Right, but I, I mean, there's so much more mechanically to the clean that takes more out of you, I guess. Um, especially if you're doing the clean and the jerk work. The unfortunate part is if you can jerk 100 kilos, the thing is you have to clean and then jerk 100 kilos, um, which just takes so much out of yeah. you. Yeah. Right, because it, it is two movements. Um But, you know, that's kind of just the way it goes. That's why it's weightlifting. <laughs> so, speaking of weightlifting, JT, are you ready to go? Yeah, and we'll use slice we'll use Tara Knott, who was the athlete I was referring to in that interview, to segue into our weightlifting segment. Um, first, first female to win a gold medal um, for the United States, which is pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Brandon, take it away with uh, with weightlifting pulls. All right, man. Um, 
so the big thing about weightlifting is there are basically three parts to the clean and the snatch. Um, and JT, what's kind of weird about the pull for the clean and the snatch is that most of the time you're really pulling the bar back in towards yourself and not necessarily vertical a hundred percent of the time. Um, and what's even more funny is a lot of coaches out there in the weightlifting world will tell you it's not a pull off the floor. It's really a push off the floor. Right. Right. They, they do that to tell you or to try and get you to keep some better position. Uh-huh. Um, JT, we'll talk about the three different pools um, in weightlifting. And the first one is from the floor to the knee. Yep. Right. That is the first pool. And so your starting position in this first pool should be with the knees and the shoulders over the bar, um, unless you're John North or uh, Dmitry Klokov, who are really freaking good at the sport of weightlifting. <laughs> and what they do is they actually have their hips below their knees, knees, behind, knees and shoulders behind the bar. But that's where their dynamic start begins. Yeah. Right. I I kind of try to emulate emulate them in the snatch, not so much in the clean. Um. But I I always I just feel better from that starting position in the snatch, um, which probably isn't the greatest thing. Well, man, for me, but I like it, so I'm gonna keep trying to do it. Um. But anyways, JT, in that starting position. Your lats, your shoulders, your glutes, your quads, they all need to be engaged before the bar breaks off right. the floor, right? Because if you just go to, you go to pool and your body's not engaged, you're not going to get very far, obviously. I, uh, I saw a phrase that I really, really liked to, to kind of keep all of that together. You want to develop as much stiffness and rigid rigidity and everything involved in lifting that bar off the floor at, before you do that, uh, and that I think really kind of boils it down nicely, and it, it makes it easier to think about. Yeah, right. Um, and ideally, well, just to add more on top of that, ideally you just want to flat back at a big open chest before you start the break off right. the floor. And in a before mentioned, you know, uh, oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Okay, the before mentioned statement kind of outlines, you know, what that pool should look like from a static start position, yeah. JT. Uh, like I said, with John North and Clock Off, all the big name lifters, they all do dynamic right. starts, right? Some look different. Um, if you look at, you know, Say a Jared Enderton versus a West Kitts. Um, Jared Enderton will start more like North clock off and West Kitts, his dynamic starts uh, where his hips are high and then he brings it down into the bar where his hips are kind of parallel with his knees. Um, you know, um, but if you're just teaching clean to some of your beginner athletes or you're trying to learn the clean, I suggest you start from a static position where we just talked about everything is rigid. You got a big chest, neutral spine, um, which is hard to say to do or hard to do. Um, 
having that static position with a neutral spine, it's really just tough to stay in that rigid right. position. And the dynamic start kind of allows you to take your loose body, slam it into position before you start your pull, and then get your body tightened up as you're moving into that start position. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but anyways, that, that first pull, um, as soon as we break it off the floor, we really just want to make sure we're keeping a neutral spine while pushing our knees back, right? We have to push our knees back to allow the bar to pass because of our starting position where your shoulders and your knees are actually over right. the bar, right? And one thing I've heard, um, kind of something you should tell your athletes is you kind of want that pull to start at the four mm-hmm. foot JT. Um, I don't know if, if you tell your athletes this or not, but um, a lot of times there's a lot of shifting that can happen with newer athletes where they go and start their pool and their toes will actually come off the ground because they're pushing so hard oh. through their heels. And I definitely used to have that problem. But if you keep the push going through the floor, through your forefoot, it's going to allow you to keep your shoulders over the bar all the way through contact. Right. Or right before triple extension. Um, you know, and, and there's really not much more to it. You know, just keep your bars over, your shoulders over the bar. Um, kind of think about just pulling that bar back into, into the entire time when you're going from um, the floor to the knee. Um, right. right, JT, you got anything to um, add to this? I think, and this is something that I've I've really tried to pay close attention to with my video analysis that I've had to do to coach myself. Um, you want to see shoulders and hips rise almost in sync, leveling up the same pathway at the same time uh, through that first pull. Um, if you get desynced in that in that relationship with your shoulders hips that's when you'll really start to see the bar traveling outside of vertical and then you'll have issues with the second pull and the catch uh due to that miss pull on on first portion but everything else i think you hit right yeah as as you're saying you want you obviously want to keep your hips lower than your shoulders and your hips slightly right yeah i think um I guess from there, that pretty much covers your first pull, which is just from the floor to your knee. Um, It's kind of crazy how much stuff people tell you to focus on from the floor to your knee. But it all will translate into your second pull, which is actually just from your knee to extension. Right. Right. And this is where a lot of people will tell you um, to scoop under the bar. JT, do you, do you know what the scoop right. bar is? I don't know if you have said W really covers um, it. Maybe not um, in such terminology, but that's that's what I just uh, really drill in as the extension of your hips through that that full full firing of the glutes to get you know as much out of them as you possibly can at full extension. Yeah. I, I kind of like to think of it as uh, almost mm-hmm. a hinge um, or a double yeah, knee bend. They did. So that was the your, term that they like to use is that double knee bend. 
Okay. Um, so basically, once you get past your knees and the bar gets to about mid-thigh, you actually kind of drive your knees under the bar while um, pulling the bar almost to your hips and getting a vertical torso so that when you get to that point, when you push off the floor and go to go into triple extension, all that force that you just got by driving your knees under the bar is only going to push the right. bar vertical, right? So a lot of times if you're trying to do triple extension and you're still over the bar, the bar has to loop out mm-hmm. away from you just to get it up into your front rack or that snatch overhead position. Um, so um, in, in that second pull from your knee to your hip, a lot of people will tell you, especially John North, he will tell you to kind of almost row the mm-hmm. bar back into your body. Um, but really I take that to mean as he's telling you to pull your shoulders back, your lats back. So the bar stays right in tight. Um, and, um, I guess the other thing is, um, a lot of coaches really try to emphasize that bent elbows are a bad thing in this second pool. Uh, I won't necessarily say it's a bad thing if you look at some of the best lifters in the world, a lot of them have a mm-hmm. bunch of armband in the second yeah. pool. Of the I think, I think the important yeah. thing to note here is with, with coaches, um, not, you know, most, most of the people out there aren't working with those really elite athletes. And when we teach to the bell curve, we want to, we want to keep everything as simple as possible and not think about like the variables that uh, are like, limb length or like um the ability to recover from something like that where you're just a, i don't want to say out of position but your position is different than textbook uh and a lot of the time you know it, it it is more dependent upon your anatomy than it is what the you know what the biomechanics or what the uh what the textbooks say right but I mean, in general, ideally, you want uh, some more, more straight arms and bent arms. I guess I'll say, is because your arms are like the rope or the chain that's gonna take all that force. Right, and I think upwards. the the thing there is straight typically means rigid, uh, and and delivering more force to that barbell because it's attached to your hands. Um, but if you can maintain that rigidity with a little bit of elbow bend, then it's not really an issue. I agree, man. But from that point, as we just talked about, you're making contact, you're taking all that force and putting it into the bar. Um, that will take you into your third mm-hmm. pool, JT. And that third pool is really when you've pulled the bar as high as you possibly can which for a lot of lifters is not going to be real high. Right. Right. Um, Cause when the weight gets heavier and heavier, obviously you can only pull the bar so mm-hmm. high. Um, but really the idea from, from extension through your third pool, you're trying to find the point where the bar is weightless. Um, at least in my mind, that's what yeah. I think of it as. And then when you get to that point, all you're doing is you're moving your body around the bar. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so uh, guys like Glenn Pinlay, they always said uh, Glenn Pinlay and Donnie Shankle, those guys will tell you, don't move the bar, move your body around the bar. Um, and I think that's really helped me because um, being able to go from triple extension and dropping under the bar um, to a bottom position as fast as I can has helped me increase my clean, my snatch greatly just in the past few months. Well, anytime you move the barbell at that point where it is like it's zero momentum, you're going to get yourself outside of that center of gravity where you can make a, a good solid catch. Um, and it, it, it makes catching receiving a heavy weight almost impossible if you're moving that weight laterally at that point of no momentum. Yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, ideally here, you're just moving as fast as you can, going from a triple extension to trying to meet the bar, I guess, not necessarily go under the bar, but meet the bar at that good position where you can, where you don't have it crash on you, but you get under it and you're right. riding the weight down to that bottom. Um, there's kind of a meme with Gabriel Sincrane that he always says, when you are fast, you are slow. Uh, I guess the trans, the Romanian translation is a little bit different in, um, for English than what we actually say it is. <laughs> it's a little funny, but um, basically uh, his coach always used to tell him that he was so slow, and then uh, he goes to the Olympics and gets bronze, I think, but he clean and jerks, I think, 217. Um, or 227, one of the two. But he, he's literally one of the most fastest explosive lifters to ever ever be at the Olympics. So, you know, if, you, if you're looking for somebody that's fast and that will show you what all these pools are yeah. about, go watch him. He's certainly not fast or not slow on the but, receive either. Uh, he's one of the faster guys to get under the barbell. I think yeah, I got to I got to conject that I think that his coach probably got that in his head to make him faster. <laughs> Not necessarily that he actually was slow, just like a, a mind game to make him fast. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's definitely what it was and then but uh he did an interview with uh I think Zach Tielander or Seb Ostrovich and he talked about it and uh, I don't know. Yes. He's, a, he's a funny dude. Um, and he's also one of the only guys that I know of who will openly talk about drugs yeah. in the Olympics. Um, those that podcasts was. are pretty interesting as well. So if you have time, have time, go listen to those. I think there's a two part on the yep. training make. Shout out to Zach Taylor again. Um, I think, yeah. And I think there's one on weightlifting talk with John North. And I think there's one on weightlifting house with Seb. I don't know if that one's true. I think actually Seb was also on that episode of training make. Cause I listened to it not that long ago. Yeah. That could be it. <laughs> but... All right. Well, that, that pretty well covers the three pools of, Weightlifting. Yeah. JT, 
Um, there's a lot of information there. Take your time. Go watch some videos. We may not be the best at explaining it. It, it is important to know these cues, and maybe they don't all resonate with you, um, but maybe hearing hearing something that we've said today will be like that light bulb going off kind of action where like pulling your pulling yourself under the bar never made sense to me but moving yourself around the bar that was my light bulb moment and it's not really that different of a concept but nobody had ever said the second one to me until you know a couple of weeks ago um and, and it does it just makes you know makes a difference who's your coach, what they're telling you as their cues. Cause that every coach out there has their kind of like their phrases that I like to use for all the different positions and everything. Um, so hopefully something out there helped. Um, let's move on to pulling for recreation. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, hold on. JT. Um, should we cover some of the like, yep, definitely. accessory pools that you can do? All right. So um, one that I've talked about a lot here, recently is the clean deadlift um so basically you're taking that starting position of your clean with your normal clean grip and doing multiple reps of this so when you go when you're at that full extension at the top of your uh top of your pool and you start to go back down you're actually bending your knees dropping your hips back into your actual clean starting position it doesn't I mean, mm-hmm. yes, it'll fry your back, um, but really you're working on your your glutes, your hammies, your quads, trying to think about really pushing through the floor and keeping your neutral spine, shoulders yep. over the bar that whole time, right? And then, um, obviously, I do this from a deficit too. It's really hard. It's definitely more on your back or more strain on your back. Um and then another type of pool that I really like okay. are panda pools. JT, do you know what panda uh, pools are? Go ahead and detail them for us, Brandon. Um, so the panda pool is basically a like a clean high pool okay. or a snatch high pool. Um, but when you hit extension, you are starting to drop yourself underneath the bar. Usually these are fairly heavy pulls, but not as much as like a normal clean deadlift. Um, Basically, you're pulling Mm -hmm. more up to your nipples and starting to drop your hips underneath. Um, But that kind of just illustrates of, once again, keeping good positions during the, ideally the second pull and pulling yourself underneath the bar. Um, And then kind of like that last, the last one I like to do are what are called Lasha pulls. Um, And I guess Lasha pulls are just a slight variation in a clean deadlift, but it's really trying to focus on pulling. Once you get the bar to your knees, you're focusing on pulling the bar into your hips. Um, they call it Lasha pulls because he did it in the Olympic training hall. And obviously he was doing it with yeah, a five, ton of 500 so, pounds is nothing um, to cough at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
but those really are my three big ones. Um, I don't know. There's, there's not a whole lot more. If I mean, it, the pool is just our training for the pool is really just once again an accessory movement right. like the squat for the lifts. Yeah. Well, and if you can increase your pulling strength, you sh- theoretically you increase your lifting strength. Um, so the only other one I want to touch on is doing block pulls, um, or or you can also do pulls from a hang, uh, though. Those are much worse. They're, they're tougher, uh, but that's primarily to work just specifically that second pull. Um, and the nice thing about pulling off of blocks is that you can get to that acceleration immediately uh, and have, I guess, I want to say less concern for your position, but your position should be like, I mean, it should be much better than pulling off the floor into that second pull. So you can you can overload your second pull a little bit. Uh, and I think that's where most people will struggle um, because the weight, you know, it's, it's heavy weight. It's hard to accelerate it. And that second pull is when you need to reach that maximal speed with it. Right. So, and, and you can implement all your variations, your high pulls, your panda pulls, your lasha pulls off of that, uh, off of the blocks as well. Um, and just you know have the have the ability to work on your acceleration a little bit. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, I mean, there's really not a lot to it. Yep. If you're gonna pull, you're gonna pull. So you can do a lot of things. But uh, I guess moving on into pulling for recreational athletes, JT, I will let you take. No problem. I'm sorry. I can't. Happens to everybody. Um, So, again, I'm going to speak to my experience working in a, I guess, just recreational gym with, you know, average Joes primarily. So, uh, a lot of the time I'll see people wanting to deadlift very heavy. um, And typically what I'll see is, you know, somebody's able to get up over 315. So they hit 315 for some reps and then start adding change plates on to get up to like 365-ish. And then they top out as a single no matter what. Um, and, you know, it might be two two or even three days a week that they're doing that. And, and it's, I mean, it's fine. You can continue to add some strength onto your deadlift if you take that approach, but it's just going to top out really pretty quickly in the long term. Um you might be able to increase your strength like that over a course of like two or three weeks where, as we always want to talk about, this is a long-term game. Um, so I, I want to outline what I think are some pillars of performing the deadlift. If you are in that recreational category, um, you definitely want to have a proper setup that you repeat and keep keeps the barbell close to your body every single time um obviously if you're lifting heavy weight and you get outside of where you have leverage or you put the the uh the the bulk of the force through your spine through your low back specifically you really have some issues due to that and obviously if the weight is so heavy that it's forcing your back to bend that is a substantial problem um so then that kind of moves on to 
maintaining your torso positioning regardless of what weight is on the bar. Uh, if you get to a weight that's so heavy that it's forcing your spine to bend at the top of your pull, you need to dial the weight back and reassess what your approach is to the deadlift. Um, and then finally, if you are going to deadlift heavy, there's no problem with wearing a belt. However, if you're working like, let's say, uh, heavy, heavy reps for fives, um, probably all of your working sets up until your last like top out max set of five, you don't need a belt. You shouldn't, you shouldn't rely on that belt to brace. You should be able to brace your core without a belt. Um, and then finally, I would not recommend doing a maximal deadlift for more than five reps per week. Uh, and that's something I've taken from Glenn Penlay. Um, right, man. I mean, I mean, the pool is important, but I mean, if you can't keep positioning, if you can't keep 360 degree core, you, you need to back the weight off. Um, I'm struggling with some of our high schoolers right now who are like, I feel strong. I, I just want to, we okay. do trap bar deadlift JT. And they're like, I, I just want to keep pushing it. I was like, well, if you're going to throw 405 on the trap bar, you might as well just do 365 banging out for three to five reps and, you know, build your spinal erectors a little bit more. They're like, no, but the weight needs to be better. And uh, I don't know, it kind of pisses me off. But um, you're really not trying to train right. for maximal deadlift anyways. So there's no harm in I think it's actually reps. I think it's actually more beneficial um, to do. Like if you want to get that maximal work in, do sets of five or three. Uh, that shit's harder than doing singles, I promise. And, and you don't have to. <laughs> or do sets no. of 10. No. Nope. Don't <laughs> do sets of 10. Two sets of ten from a no. deficit. Don't ever deadlift sets fun, of ten. I promise you. <laughs> it's horrible. It, it's so bad. It makes me want to cry. Brandon, don't you know that anything a set of five or above is cardio, and we don't do cardio. I think they call it strength cardio. Brandon, that, that's cardio. We don't, <laughs> we don't do cardio. Cardio is a sin. Also, one other thing I want to touch on. Uh, if you're going to deadlift, like, by God, get in the squat rack too. <laughs> what good is a heavy deadlift if you don't have a squat? Okay. If you want to be like those power lifters that you see doing incredible <laughs> stuff on YouTube, like you know they squat too, right? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, I don't know, JT. <laughs> Do they squat? Do they really? Not like now. Um, I don't know. Some of those guys do what uh, what might be considered to be a squat by the judges of powerlifting, but yeah, maybe not by me. Yeah, it's it's, it's something. It's, it's uh, a lift. <laughs> they they might be able to throw a thousand pounds on their back, but can they squat ATG? Um, How many? 
I, w- I wonder how impression. strong any of those Ugh. given power lifters who broke the thousand pound mark, how, how much they could squat ATG if they even could. I got to wonder that. Um, well, if you think about their body mechanics or their body typing anyways, their ATG yeah. is going to look more like Lasha anyways. So, um, Really, their ATG is right below. Parallel. So, probably <laughs> up there in the sevens or eights for sure. Maybe even nine. Yeah. Well, if you look at um, what's his name, Ray, the oh, okay IPF powerlifter. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, he's. I think he's close to a I know who you're talking I about. I forget his last name. It's going to bother me. This is what we get for going on tangents that we didn't prepare for. <laughs> yeah. And especially on sports where I'm less versed in weightlifting. Yeah. Um. Oh. His depth is good. I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name either. It's going to bother me. Ray Williams. That's such a common last name. Maybe you just thought it was like that was too easy. There's no way that that could be it. Anyway. Um, But anyways, yeah. Shout out to Ray Williams. Go follow him on Instagram. Optimus Prime underscore three three four. Freak of nature. We like some crazy athletes. Um. So again, let's let's talk about our recreational athletes. Um. I am of the opinion that you probably don't need to lift maximally all that often if you know you're not like training for competition. Um, but that also depends on your age and what your training goals are. If you really do want to try to get as strong as you possibly can before you hit 30, like me, uh, maximally more often makes sense, but you also just have to make sure your body's prepared for that. You can't lift maximally every time you go into the gym, Brandon. Uh, I am, I, uh, I like to implement the deadlift, uh, for my adult athletes, maybe, maybe four to six times per month. Um, and we use a lot of variation. Um, we, we probably max out or like get reps of three once a month, if, if not less often than that. Uh, and just to validate my point, uh, anecdotally, all of these athletes have gotten stronger. Uh, every single person that I've trained to use deadlift as a, as a strength movement has gotten stronger on the deadlift. Um, but also with that, there's a lot of variety in how we implement the deadlift. So trap bar, barbell, not a big fan of the trap bar, but trap bar and barbell, different grips, different stance. Um, and I don't bother to like ask them like do you conventional pull or sumo pull. They don't even like, they probably like 99% of the people I work with wouldn't know the difference anyway. Um, so I just, today we're going to sumo deadlift. Uh, today we're going to conventional today we're going to kettlebell deadlift so you have two individual weights on either side of your body 
um, just for the sake of variety and maintaining that good torso positioning uh, and lots of single, like, like RDLs as well. I like to implement those a lot, probably a lot more often than I do just like a single thing, like a barbell deadlift. Um, RDLs more, more suited to adult athletes. Yeah. Yeah. I like RDLs a lot, man. It's this incredible with toes elevated strength building. Can't beat it. Back hamstrings. Um, abs <laughs> are screaming now that you said that. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, but yeah, yeah, and Variation I think we touched on us with our squat episode. You know, as as a recreational athlete, the last thing you want to do is is get pigeonholed into a routine that you you wrote for yourself with like twenty different exercises and no variation ever, and you just messing with the the sets and reps. Like, don't get me wrong, something like that is going to work. Um, but to stay engaged with training, and I think just like have fun with it, right? Uh, you can you can use different kinds of weights, or you know change your foot positioning, change your hand positioning, all these different variables that maybe aren't intuitive to everyone. Um, but like, as long as your core stays braced and as long as you're, you know, um, keeping your back in a good position, sp- uh, spine neutral, you're going to be able to move reasonably you know, respectable weight outside of what you can like typically do on a deadlift. Uh, and I think it's important to note that, like, if you do pull conventional, you should still sumo pull and vice versa because the movements are different. The mechanics are different. It's important to move outside of your comfort zone to build strength other ways as well. Those are some good points, man. Um I think this was a lot of good information for everybody out there. Um, yeah. uh, there's a lot of things you can do with the pool, JT. Just are you willing to implement it? Are you willing to go from the norms of trying to max out pulling one slab <laughs> of weight off the floor as fast as you can? Because... Um, is it super important? Yes. Like how often are you going to have to lift your car off of the dog that you ran over on accident when you were leaving the gym? Like you're just not. Unless. Don't be a moron. Right, exactly. Like back windshield. And you won't don't, don't put yourself in the emergency <laughs> scenario where you have to lift up your car. Um, because even if that does arise in your life, like probably not going to be able to pull this guy. Probably not. Yeah. It's just unfortunate. <laughs> but anyways, JT, um, it's a good episode. I think yeah, I'm I think ready so. to wrap um, up if you are. Don't think I have any notes. We will come back at you guys with the next episode on pressing. Uh, how to implement that for athletes, weightlifters, and recreational athletes, um, 
and all the variation there within. Brandon, you got anything you want to throw on top of that? Not really. I'm not a big presser, man. Um, don't like bench press. I'll do some overhead press, but that's about it. But anyways, nah. Uh, it's a good episode. I hope everybody takes this information and utilizes it to the best of their ability. Um, and if you need help, reach out, please. We're waiting. We're just chomping at the bit to answer some questions. You can reach me at YunkerFan at AOL.com or at Instagram, bmare underscore 77. Uh, you can get, you guys can JT, find me silvers.fit at Gmail or silvers.fit on Instagram. Keep it, keep it simple, stupid. Um, so guys, make sure that you get back into the weight room as climate heats up a little bit. We're going to be able to get outside and travel a little bit easier with all this damn snow on the ground. Uh, <laughs> and enjoy training and throw some variation in there. If you're afraid to get outside of your box, like, like Brandon said, we will gladly push you as hard as we possibly can to try to find something totally new. Um, you know, every once in a while, it's good for you to take a, a head first dive instead of doing baby steps outside of your comfort zone. Um, Slam bars, kill PRs, heavy stuff over your head, in your hands, barbell on your back, uh, all of the weightlifting cliches, everything that we want to do in the next week will be accomplished if we set our mind to it. Uh, work hard. That's the that's the, the point of the whole the whole race. Can't get you can't stay the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. And to do that, we're going to hook, grip it, and we're going to rip it.